Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. How's everybody doing? Good. Doing great. How about you? All right, good. We have a special guest today. Let me bring him on. Um, sorry, our guest today is Iman Hushman. Give him the drum roll. Iman, welcome. Hello. Welcome. What's up? Thank welcome. you so, so much for coming on. My pleasure. So, so Iman, he's, uh, as he would say, a serial entrepreneur. You've done everything from DJing to wedding entertainment. And now you have this new project going on, Unite and Conquer, where it's to, it's to inspire people and, and to talk about their real life stories and the trials and tribulations. Am I, am I, am I right with that? Or Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Unite and Conquer is essentially, it's, it's geared and tailored towards modern day entrepreneurs. And because we also have a production company that you know is videography and photography, we try to tell the story of modern day entrepreneurs and like, but like deep down, like seven layers deep kind of stuff. Like there's nobody that's an entrepreneur that just wakes up every single day doing something just for a paycheck. They're doing it for a mission, a purpose, a goal, a, a reason to make a difference, whether it's in their family or community or the world. Like they just have like big picture shit in mind. And so, by the way, can I curse? I'm a, I'm a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, man. all right, cool. And so, um, so yeah, so that the United Conquer really, it kind of was created. The catalyst was I, as an entrepreneur, just felt like entrepreneurs don't have each other's backs enough. And like, I was like, I want to be the uniter and then together we unite together we conquer. So providing tools, resources, educate, entertain, inspire. And then with our production company, we, we tell your story in like in a very cinematic, emotionally evoking manner so That's that fantastic. people really get to know who you are and why you do what you do. The people behind the brand. The person, and we'll, yeah. we'll dig into that a little bit more. So, so Iman, I spoke to you earlier this week and what's the noosh of the week you picked for us? Oh man, the noosh of the peak, the, what is, what is a menage a trois. I were four people, five, four No people. way. Oh my God, we got a double wow. oh, yeah. I, I got the midnight, I got the midnight version because it was two, two for the, for the price of one. So okay. I had to get that right, I gotta, as, I gotta, a person, get that. as a person. You gotta was, look for the BOGOs. I was going for the deal. <laughs> you, you know what's funny? Iranians will go for the BOGO, but then we'll still go for the Gucci and the uh, Louis Vuittons. And That's the only way we can afford the Gucci. Listen, you, you staff a Jewy on the BOGOs at Publix and you go get yourself a Gucci across the street. You gotta prioritize. <laughs> so, cheers. 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 Really proud of what you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much, man. I appreciate it. Before we go on, though, I always like to do a close-up for our guests. So if everyone can say, hi, Iman. Salam, Iman. Now, now you're like... Hey, everybody. Serenade. There you go. <laughs> fully initiated now. Now you're fully initiated into the Monday News team. I love it. Now love we can it. go on. So, Iman, as I was mentioning, you have like... I could, I could do a whole podcast about everything that you do. Do it. Okay, like yeah. just listing okay. it. If you only uh, want two views, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in, in honor of you today, I, I know, okay, so, so you have a, an interesting story about being an Iranian-American. You actually weren't born in Iran or America. You were born in Germany. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah, well, and, and I got my Germany jersey on today. Oh, I didn't even see that. <laughs> go ahead, Deutschland, baby. Yeah, Deutschland. Yeah. Okay. So... And you kind of talked about this on your pod, on, on, I think it was the second episode of your pod, right? Um, about migrating the, and the, the trials and the tribulations. Let's get shit done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Let's Get Shit Done podcast. I guess my first question is kind of, what, you, what, what do you do right now as far as, you have Unite and Conquer, you kind of explain what that is. And then what was, what is, what is exclusively entertainment? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm totally not surprised that there's some confusion and that there's a lot of stuff that I have my hands on. I feel like a lot of times I'm this uh, octopus that just has multiple hands. No, and then I saw you, you, you did a whole series of um, 
interviewing what what was it called the interview awesome awesome people awesome people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um all right so basically I, I like i'm gonna not try to take up too much of y'all's time talking about my boring story but um at its core i'm an entertainer so i back when i was 16 years old i started djing and then uh dj for about seven eight years and then after djing i was like okay i gotta do big boy stuff so after grad school i was like i gotta figure out a job situation I went and worked for like Ritz Carlton in Doha, Qatar in the middle of the Middle East. And I was like, I was doing marketing consulting and like, I just hated working for other people. I hated nine to five. I hated corporate America. Yeah. And I was like, the only thing that I love, the only thing that I'm passionate about, the only thing that people think that I'm good at or I'm good at was entertainment. But I really never thought of myself as a very good DJ. I was actually more comfortable just hosting and being an MC. And I used to have my, my cousin DJ with me. So we were like a dude duo DJ, DJ Iman and Jima back in the day. So I was like, fuck it, man. When I come back from the Middle East, I want to start an entertainment company because I felt there was a gap in having a professional entertainment company in the Persian community in the DMV area, DC, Maryland, Virginia. Right. Um, but I was like, I don't ever want to just kind of tap into one community. I felt like uh, that was a great foundational community. But if I really want to grow and expand, I need to look at it as outside of Persian too. So right. great foothold great connections with the Persian community, always loved them, but I was like, let me grow it. So I grew my entertainment company, exclusive entertainment to up to 18 DJs, Persian DJs, Latin DJs, all American DJs, South Asian DJs, Afghan DJs, et cetera, et cetera. Just trying to expand via music because that's how you tap into different cultures by having like a DJ that kind of tap into those cultures, not by providing lighting or photo or video. It was primarily through music. So I kind of just use that as like the driving force to spearhead the growth of exclusive entertainment to the point that um, up to date, we've done over 3,000 events, over 1,000 weddings all around the world. Then Corona happened and Corona yeah. happened and, and, and I was like, was shit. Yeah, so we were like the first, the events industry was the first domino that fell and it's likely right. gonna be the last domino that gets up. So I was yeah, like- It's the event industry and then kind of, so, so hospitality. I have- Hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. Hospitality, yeah. Well, I have um, people that I know who are in the ticket business, like uh, sporting events and concerts and you know, they're, they're in a coma right now. They're on life support. Yeah. You know, it's tragic. Uh, it's tragic. Entertainment will media, probably come back a little bit before then. Entertainment um, and media in general. Yeah. I think they're finding yeah. loopholes and ways to do shows and reunions and documentaries and things like that via zoom. Like via online Skype. events. Yeah. yeah exactly. We've been seeing like a lot of virtual concerts where people would just come on and they perform on Instagram live. Now you right. see TikTok, yeah. the weekend did the TikTok the other day, which was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and we, we did that. We actually did something called the unity live stream music festival. Like it was actually a fundraising effort for all my DJs, musicians, my hardworking technicians. I mean, these were guys who are already guys and gals that were, you know, working, getting ready for high season because January, February, March was our dead season. So they were just getting ready and then boom, March when our event started. So yeah. I like, I was, I, I was kind of like had my hands tied behind my back. So I was like, you know what, let's produce a nice online streaming festival. So we did that back in April or May. But then it kind of got played out. A lot of people were doing it. So people yeah. just were getting tired of the two. Now fast forward August and nobody really wants to sit down. Yeah, and nobody's been, like In the beginning, yeah. in like March, April, April. people quarantined. They'll watch that. You know, people were actually listening and staying in place. And, and you know, you were able to have those kind of online uh, shows and get, and get good engagement with them. Yeah. And so, so I was like, I was like, I was like, this might be like the long, long run for me. And like exclusive entertainment had been my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. uh, but last fall, I had started two separate companies. One was United Conquer, which was like the consulting company and helping entrepreneurs. 
And then I had this company called Night Owls, which is providing photo and video services for like private events, weddings, corporate events. I had to kind of separate the brands. So I've been like in a transition period trying to rebrand and it becomes kind of confusing for people who have known me for entertainment for now being like the consultant. What the hell is Night Owl? So there's a lot of confusion and challenges that I'm kind of going through. But I, I know that in the long term, what I'm doing is right. I'm separating these services. Exclusive entertainment is going to focus just on entertainment and lighting, providing the best entertainment, specializing in weddings. So I want EE to be known as weddings. Night Owls, if you're having a special celebration, we can capture it photo and video-wise. United Conquer is there for all my entrepreneur friends. You know, anybody that has a business or a brand, a message that they want to get out, United Conquer is there to provide them with all the support that they need. So these are the three things that I have going on at, at the same time. And with EE, obviously, we are kind of in a coma. At the same time, in the next three months, there's a lot of people that are engaged that want to get married end of 2021 into 2022. So Quarantine has actually- also caused a lot of divorce parties too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> divorce parties. A lot of people are falling in love too quickly. They're being oh, the quarantine, else. the quarantine boyfriends and girlfriends, you know, oh, those videos, yeah. the TikToks yeah. with people like in the New York apartment across the street, like on the balcony. They're like, I saw oh, that one. a lot of babies, a lot of baby showers too. too. There, there's wow. a lot, there's a lot of people getting back into relationships out of like convenience, yeah. you know, like yeah, out of one, straight one, boredom or sheer boredom. My, yeah. <laughs> one, one of my, one of my videographers, I was like, yo, so what's, what you been up to? Any, you know, any, ladies and he's like oh i'm actually back with whatever i was like you are from like a year ago she's like yeah quarantine happened and i got bored and we hit each other up and back together oh, i was like well, well hopefully this you got bored? Shit, you know? it happens <laughs> man it happens <laughs> how shakespearean of them yeah, very <laughs> romantic, romantic. It, it, how it and it's a it's and a typical romeo and juliet story so so we've I, we've all been to one of your uh, events and i kind of private events ne- never to any of our concerts or big no. public events always Not just private right private, private right yeah. well you're, you're you know how we do ones we're generally in the in the dc area no yeah unfortunately yeah we try well yeah but go continue there's some yeah, stories more or less <laughs> so i kind of saw the behind the scenes of you know what you do in the background and i and i will say for even something that the, it was i think it was only 100 guests you know and then just to for for good measure, a hundred guests in an Iranian group is not a lot of people. No, that's like, <laughs> that's like a, cool, definitely not a lot of people. It's like that's a gathering. One fam- that's one family. That's the cousins. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. That, that was one, like one small group chat, one message went out and a hundred people showed yeah, up. Yeah, one telegram group message. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw the level of detail coming from, you know, you, you lived in DC at the time and you came down here to Fort Lauderdale and with the level of detail, you and your team did that event as if it was a 500-person event for a grand wedding, but it was a simple 100-person event you know, for an, uh, an anniversary party. And let me tell you guys, the second um, Iman and his team arrived, get this set up, get that set up. Okay, Arash, we need this, we need this, can you... You know, and ahead of time, Iman had sent me a list of everything that he needed. And then when we finally got everything sorted out, these guys were machines, okay? Wow. And that was a fun <laughs> night. I remember yeah. it being a fun night. And then yeah. Iman looked I remember at it being a small stage, but it was a fun fucking night. It was night a small stage. I remember family. the stage situation, too. <laughs> I remember you got a little bit upset about that, but, you, but, but then I think you got over it within a minute or two. You made because it work. The crowd, because the crowd was amazing. You guys. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think you looked at this like, you looked at us uh, sideways when, when we said at the end, play uh, the eight Iran anthem. To oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> God, this is like, 
I releasing information I had no idea was in my brain you know like (laughs) but but to Arash's point I obviously wasn't there for the planning process but both the events that I went to that you you know your company was responsible for they were both incredible events that my family and I still talk about to this day about how great of an event you can put on and you know you're mindful of everything and you know how like how do I say in Farsi garm mikoni the environment you know Remember, and, and, and these parties and these weddings and, and events it's the music is the main part okay sure, nobody's gonna forget too. if if the steak was dry or if the cake was whatever everything that i have a good time because of the music and the entertainment yeah yeah if you get everyone dancing they're not gonna worry about anything else yeah right? especially yeah. iranians too you put on some of that ae on some gentleman by saucy and <laughs> Bubba Karam, and there you I go. Mean, it's like two songs. I mean, all right, all right. So I got, well, I bought all of you guys. I, I, this really warms my heart because um, obviously I kind of like transition out of being more of an entertainer just because there's a time and place for anything. And, you know, me, I just turned 40 years old. So, like, I, I knew that I didn't want to be emceeing weddings and stuff. So that's why I've been doing a lot of concerts. But, like, just hearing this kind of feedback, like, first of all, I appreciate and miss all those great events and weddings now more than ever because I can't even see my company providing it. And, but this is exactly why I did it is because for whatever reason, not enough Persians, especially cared about quality entertainment in America, or like at least the places that I lived and worked. Like it was always like these one-off DJs with, bad sound, bad lighting. They didn't care. They wouldn't be responsive. Well, well, and well, even, like, even when we brought Iranian singers for concerts, oh you know, God. they would be in a hotel ballroom. And I think, I remember you had a post one time about that, about how the acoustics are, are, are off because it's in a ballroom. It's not made for a concert. Yeah. You know? So these poor singers are coming in and people are complaining, but it's not even their fault. It's just the venue doesn't have the, the excuse for that type of entertainment. Or even that one uh, little event we went to Arash in Miami with um, Rebecca and that like really small cramped up place. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, but that was the, a nightclub. That was, a, that was just a D, an Iruni DJ that just came for yeah. like Memorial Day. All right, so Iman, you, you, you touched on the public events a little bit. What made you get into those and, and what were those like? Wow, so what made me, so there's a two-prong response to that. One is, I always thought that the best way to kind of showcase our entertainers and show our DJs, musicians, and our lighting full in action was to actually perform live. You know, I feel like if you're going to choose us for, or anyone for your wedding or private event, it's because, oh, I saw that DJ there, I saw this guy here. So like that kind of like would help you choose that entertainment. So kind of like a marketing. Um, yeah, Market, that's it. Exactly. Full, full-fledged market. And the other thing was, for whatever reason, man, I've just always had this insatiable desire to bring the community together. I felt like even though I never lived in Iran, even though I never was really into the Persian community until I was like 17 years old, I was like, I feel like every Iranian, especially outside of Iran, has like a little bit of an obligation to do their mm-hmm. part, to preserve our music, to preserve our culture, to just bring our community together. And I was like, this is like community celebrations, you know? And so like, I just kind of started off on a very small DJ level back in the teenage years. And then as the years continued, as, a, as a exclusive entertainment grew, I just kept on trying to do bigger and better events and concerts. And so that's what we did. Going off of that, I guess, something that you said in your, your podcast, one of the episodes where you said, I think two years ago, you had like a financial downfall because you were putting on all these big public events. And, yeah. and I don't know if it was the budgeting or what it was that you touched on that kind of causes downfall. But my question is like, was there like an aha moment that made you realize that? Or what? when was the point where you were like, oh God, like I'm making the wrong decisions. I'm making the wrong turns. 
in my business and I need to, you know, shift the way I'm doing things or it's going to end badly. I think, I think when I pretty much just lost my shirt, I think that's when I, unfortunately <laughs> my aha, my aha moment came much later than most astute businessmen yeah. would do. If, if I had a good P and L, if I had a better accountant, if I had just a little bit more logic instead of emotion, because I constantly had this like, gamblers blackjack let's double or nothing type of mentality where i was like okay because it was all like they're all business ventures every major mm -hmm. event production concert is like a 50 to hundred thousand dollar thing so you're kind of like okay so should i put my money on tm back should i put it on modern talking on alabina on tm back tm back yeah actually that was a, that was the one winner actually um but you know like you kind of like you kind of just make your calls and at the end of the day it's a gamble because especially when you're talking about persian community if you're talking about persian concerts there's so much unpredictability. And as every year passes, you know, like you guys are outliers. You know, there's not too many people in their 20s, Iranian in America that are that are still kind of together that will go support Persian events. I mean, we're like, a, we're dinosaurs, yeah. especially yeah. like- A dying breed. Well, it's, interesting you know, that, it's interesting that you brought up when you were 17, um, that you decided to, you know, try to bring the community together and get more in tune with the Iranian culture. Yeah. And I think, I, I may be speaking out of line here, but I think a lot of people did that because when you're in school, in grade school, okay, mm -hmm. you don't want to be the different person. Mm -hmm. yeah. You want to fit okay? in somewhere. You want to fit in. So you kind of just fit in whatever that routine of that culture is wherever you're growing up, you know, sure. and mostly just American culture or, you know, down here, it's, it's, it's kind of more of a melting pot. So you're in you're more Hispanic culture. So what do you think about, you know, just as a generalization? Well, well, that's true. But also 17 for me was 1997. 17 for somebody right now is 2020. And if we're talking about the Persian community, like, again, it's like as every year passes and as like, our generation has children, they're growing up, they're growing up super Americanized, you know, like in 1997, 17, there were so many Persians that had just come from Iran yep. and they still have this uh, connection to the culture and a lot of fobs, you know, like, and, and that's, yep. that's what like Persian promoters, and I don't say it in a bad derogatory way, but like I say with love, you know, I was, I was the most Americanized fob in the entire DMV community, you know, like shockingly, I was like, the most well-known MC, and I can't even speak good Farsi, you know? So like, it's kind of weird how like, I kind of fit into this group mm -hmm. of like Persians that were super Persian, even though I was super Americanized or super Europeanized. But I think what has happened is throughout the years, I kept on thinking that there's so much demand for these kind of events, but there's not because every year passes, more Persians go marry off non-Persians, more Persians get into like, get acclimated to American life, which is very sad, you know? And like, I was fighting for it. I was. I was fighting for it. I was fighting to keep it, but I would do all these mega events in the hopes that there'd be like a sponsor, somebody who wants to put money down and support it. Cause really like you can have a thousand people come to an event. I had a thousand people for Sogan concert and I lost $25,000. So uh, if I had 1500 people, that 500 people extra at 50 bucks a pop, that's $25,000. Cause um, I listened to some of your posts when you want to talk about a review that you got. Oh, wow. so you remember I these things. I remember these things. I, I, have, a, I have a weird memory. Someone yeah. called you a rubber. Yeah, uh, rubber? No, remember that? No. What, oh, oh a robber. Oh, you, called you, you remember? Yeah, now you remember. You know, she's now like one of my, not best friends, but like she like loves me now. Like she apologized yeah. to me and like it's been, It was just I, a I misunderstanding. Like, uh, yeah. It's just yeah, a misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah. So, right. so with the events, <laughs> was rubber. there anybody that they came up to you and said, Iman, you need to stop. This is bad business. Yeah, my entire family, probably. 
Really? I was expecting oh, that. I was gonna yeah, say the yeah, Iranian yeah. families are the first to be yeah. like, "Shkar like, yeah, they yeah. they know better, right? Yeah, I mean, I listen. I like like Ari said earlier. I chalked up so much of it as marketing budget because here was a juxtaposition. This was a double-edged sword. Where on one hand, financially, the public events were an epic failure financially, but everybody was loving it. The biggest concerts, the coolest of events, of course, for all us, who's you not know? gonna love it? Yeah, they yeah. love and they were and they were packed in the eyes of people. Like people thought I was fucking walking away with highway robbery, not robbery, but like they thought I was killing it, you know? Like they would see beautiful venues, a thousand people, but I'm like, dude, I needed fifteen hundred people. But like and then um and so for me it was like it was giving me this false sense of like good job, Iman, keep on doing it. And our private events were actually getting better. We're getting more and more weddings, more and more events. But all the money that I was making from weddings, private events, from the growth of that because of popularity, EE, mm -hmm. I was shipping it away mm -hmm. to all these artists that were asking for too much money, all these writers, what they wanted, the different cars, the different this, different bottles and all this stuff. So like, I was like, I was kind of like, the money was going to the wrong place, you know? And like, right. if I had like some great, I mean, the reason why people go to these Rihanna concerts and Beyonce concerts, they got mega sponsors. Right. Yeah. They got they got the Pepsi's and the Nets and whatever like Sprints and AT and T's. Well, not only that, they're able to charge four hundred dollars for four seats. Yeah, yeah I mean try, they charge people hundreds, even more than four hundred, to stand in the pit to stand for four hours and like yeah. just in hopes and they'll, that, and like, they'll be the they'll be the first to sell out the pit too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The American people, Airlines Arena for a concert that holds like seventeen thousand people. Yeah. You know, that's a lot more tickets than the thousand you were trying to pack into whatever venue and, you had. And this is, you guys make such a great thing right here that I want to kind of allude to is the fact that the Persian mindset doesn't ever value or respect having to pay a hundred to hundred and fifty dollars right. for their even their favorite artists. They'll Enter pay hundred fifty dollars money bucks for Shakira, but they won't pay it for like their favorite Shadman Agili. They might like him, but their max is fifty bucks. You know, it's like yeah. it's it's like it's like and the reason for it. It all goes back to also kind of the organizer's faults because they put it at shitty venues, shitty sound, shitty lights. So your expectation is low. You don't mind paying $150 for Rihanna because you get quality production. Exactly. So what you I know try what to you're do, paying for. Yeah. Yeah. So what yeah. I try to do is I try to deliver on quality production right. and people loved it, but they would only pay $50 for it. I remember mm -hmm. like I was selling backstage uh, VIP meet and greet for Sogan for $100. And Sogan two years ago was hot as shit. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. I didn't even sell a single, a single ticket. So like not even not a diehard person, not even one. Wow. But Man. guess how many people wanted free VIP to come meet her? Oh, everybody, everybody. 100,000 people that, wanted That Persian discount, that discount. The Persian discount. Listen, so, we went to a Sami yeah. Beghi concert. Sorry to enter. We went to Sami yep. Beghi concert last May in Orlando. And the concert ended. And, you know, our group always, like, at least my parents, like, we stay even longer. We're like, yeah, how does town national or whatever? So then the DJ was like, what do we do? Let's do a contest. You know, who the last three people that stay dancing or the best dancers get to meet Sami Beghi backstage VIP. When I tell you people were actually dancing, even ourselves, like, for to win that, when there was people literally knocking on the back door like we went back there there was literally there was like 30 people back there 30 people already had that had met him and waiting to meet him without doing anything and then there was people still like, i earned this spot 
but no you can exactly just... yeah so it's also like the bargaining part of it our culture is like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know we have a very big bargaining culture i mean you go to the bazaars in in iran exactly, yeah. and they'll bargain it till it's free almost or they pay you to leave yeah. them alone but yeah. <laughs> so, so what what i've decided to do and again listen i don't I really appreciate the Persian community. Like I, I would not be able to have what I have at EE and all that stuff if, if it wasn't for them. And I don't even blame them for kind of being jaded because they've had bad, shitty concerts by Absolutely. unorganized promoters. Absolutely. So like we, we get like I had I got the shit end of the stick because the people 10, 20 years before us put on crappy concerts. They put it at like a dirty ass Bethesda Holiday Inn. They put a thousand people in a 500 person place, yep. you know, pack sardines. Horrible, warm experience. I was the one who I was like, man, I want to have the best quality sound, best quality light, best quality venue, best artist. And but unfortunately, the financials didn't make sense. If it don't make sense, it don't make dollar either. So exactly. or if it don't make dollar, it don't make sense actually. It don't make dollar, so, it don't make sense exactly. And so I said to myself, I was like, you know what? I, I really love Persians. I love our community. I want to I want to use music as a way to bring us together. But I'll do it when I have my finances in order. I'll do it when there's people who want to step up to the plate and also partake in this and be sponsors, be contributors. It's yeah. got to be a community effort. It can't just be one. And I'm not just talking about DMD, Iman Hushman. I'm talking about if one of you guys want to do it in South Florida, if there's a guy in Texas, New York, Texas, all these kind of places where there's there's like a Persian community, right. there, it has to be das to das kind of thing. You know, it cannot, you cannot yeah, just- Other cultures, you know, they spend money within, within their culture. Yeah. Okay. They, Jewish, Latin, you know, yes, I know that stuff. You know, they support each other. Where I feel like with Iranians sometimes, um, you know, they don't want to because, you know, they don't want people knowing their business for whatever reason. Yeah. Okay. You know, they just don't want yeah. people knowing their business. So that's kind of what I think. And to your point, the myriad of shitty concerts that, and, and the problem is with those shitty concerts, the artist was such a popular artist mm -hmm. of its time. I'm talking about Mansoor in the early 2000s, Kamran mm -hmm. and Human in, in those days. Those guys were in the Iranian community, mega stars yeah. um, at that time. And the venues they were in, were, at least down here, were horrible. Well, I think at the time, the promoters took advantage of, of the stardom and fame. They knew that these artists are big names, so they can, you know, almost half-ass their production value because they know people are just going to come pay the money to come see them because it's yeah. so, so rare yeah. for, for an artist to come. Like, whenever Gugush would come, it would, like, instantly sell out, and it wouldn't right. matter where you are. Well, they put Gugush at the like Adrian Arsh Center, Center, and it right. still didn't sell out. Yeah, it was... Well, that was they put her a in a better, better venue. But, yeah, so, I mean... Yeah. That that's probably the reason back then they they you know abused the stardom of these. No, artists. I mean I mean if you if you were a concert organizer in the '90s and 2000 in like one of the main cities in America and North America whatever, you were probably killing it. And there were some people that were taking full advantage of it. Uh, not to say that all the organizers were shitty people, but some of them they took advantage of it. You know they they put it in cheap venues, shitty sound, overpriced, underdelivered. But they walked away with a shitload of money, you know. Yeah, like, they, they probably weren't doing it for the culture, more so the money, profit. Oh, yeah, come, yeah, yeah. come in, get out, you know, take the yeah. money and leave. So, but I yeah. think also going back to really quickly, social media also is a big aspect again, because now if a promoter was to pull something off like that, word of mouth, number one, people will talk about how terrible it was. Number two, people would go on Yelp or Google reviews or their Twitter or their Instagram and just rubber shit on the person rubber. Yeah. Like yeah. just talk about how bad it was. Use hashtags instantly. It would become a huge thing. One video of a failed event would go all over the internet and everyone would know, you know, so it's, it's easy. Easier now 
I mean, I guess it was easier back then to have, you know, bad, cheap events and get away with it versus oh, yeah. now. They're, they Similar to like restaurants. As soon as Yelp came, yeah. restaurants had to step up their game because yeah, you, you started taking care of your clients like shit. And like the reason why I was so upset about the rubber girl is there was like 1,100 people at that concert. And she complained about the fact that Sogan got on stage at like 10 o'clock or something. And like the doors open at eight. It's like what main artist in American or Western world do you yeah. go and eight o'clock doors open at 8.30? You think fucking Beyonce is getting on stage, playing exactly. single ladies at 8.45 and leaves at 10? So yeah. of course, and plus we, we have a bar minimum to hit. Like, so there's all these right. factors it, that people all, don't ever consider. It's all money driven. Yeah. All money driven. They don't also, we're Iranian. Like, we run on Persian standard time. Exactly. Cash concerts should be like, yours. That should be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they're not going to get there at eight. I, I think doors open at eight with the singer getting on 10 is like perfect timing, especially yeah. because it was, it was at Echo Stage, which has been voted as a number one club in America for like three years out of 10. So I put her at the best stage in wow. America. And, and the ones like the, the kind of venue that, like, when Tiesto comes on, he comes on at midnight. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and, yeah. so, and here, and here comes three our hours with the, with the uh, Easily. concerts. Yeah. I, I so. think I went to a story one time and, and, uh, you know, doors open, whatever. And they were supposed to come out at nine. They didn't show up till one in the morning. And I you know, that's how it is. people that's still how it stayed is. because they you know what? Same thing happened, happened to me when I went to South Beach at a club uh, waiting for 50 cent. He came out at, at one in the morning. I, I got there, you know, 1030. And that's what there you would you expect from a 50 cent or like a little Wayne. Because you have to go, you have to just make sure you're not too drunk by the time you actually get. Yeah. So <laughs> to kind of shift gears a little bit um, yeah. now, you, now we, because because of the, what the world is right now, we can't really have weddings and events and things like that. You started this uh, podcast, Unite and Conquer. And I've always kind of seen you trying to put positivity out there, whether it's uh, helping people during the holidays or you know, just, just spewing, putting out positivity on your social medias and things like that. So how did this come, kind of come to fruition, the United Conquer? I, I think I would have to say from my failures. Like, I feel like when I was kind of down and out, I was like, I can either be like this freaking victim that's going to complain and whine and like, all that stuff, part of my French. Or I could just be like, hey man, let's, let's pick up yourself, like use it as a great learning experience, use it as a building block. It, first of all, it humbled the hell out of me. And like, I feel like the only way that you can really uh, not just survive, but thrive is if you let go of your ego, that you truly humble yourself. You kind of accept the fact that shitty things are going to happen in your life, but you use all of it as a learning experience. And, um, and I use it as, a, as an opportunity to um, join forces with a lot of other people that I respect, that are hustling, that are entrepreneurs. I mean, entrepreneurs are the backbone of this country. They're the backbone of the world. You know, I mean, if you're if you're deciding to sacrifice an easy, every two week kind of check, sacrificing your family and all that stuff to go after your dream, that's respect. You know, like that's like, that to me is like, you're, you're after soldiers, that is the ultimate sacrifice that somebody makes. The fact that you can easily take Take, the Taking the big risks. Taking the big risks. And so, so I was like, man, I just, I want to be like the ultimate networking opportunity. I want to be able to use my, I want my mess to be my message. I want right. to be able to use my failures as a way that I like kind of reciprocate and help out other people, you know? And I, and I just, I, I have this mindset that, you know, you get out of this world, whatever you put in it. So if you're going to put out negativity, you're going to get negativity. So exactly. I, was like, I, sw- I switched my mindset a couple of years ago. I just saw my entire feed being full of bullshit, a lot of politics, a lot of like um, people complaining and whining. And I was like, you know, Iman, like if you're going to put something out, put a smile on somebody's face. If you're going to put something out, 
let it be like a motivational thing. Like not like too much cheesy and too much like you're shoving it down someone's throat, but sprinkle it out nice and evenly and just, just put out good energy. Because for me, yes, it helps other people, but really it helps me too. Like when I see something that kind of like revs my engine up, I'm like, you know what, let me put this out there. And maybe like one other person will be like, yeah. And like I get my fair share of messages um, on the side. And I see the impact that it has. So it kind of just fuels me more. I, some people, I get, they get annoyed by it. Like some of my friends, they tease me about it. But I don't give a shit about those people. I care about the one fucking person that says, man, Iman, I've been down in the slumps. I needed to hear that. You, you're right. speaking my words. And so I'm like, all right, cool. Well, let me, if, I, if, I, if my fuck, fucked upness can help somebody else, then let me put it out there. Because, I have no ego. And, and those people coming to you and talking shit are, are probably disappointed themselves about something yeah, for sure just, just don't want it to hear all, the message it all stems from internal sadness and grief that they have that they're insecurities that, why yeah, can't i be like him exactly but touching touching on um what you said about ego because i know again in your podcast you talked about vulnerability and you and you said your story and and you know your life story and how ego was a really big factor in that kind of crash in your business in your company last year and you said you went on a soul searching journey right so i feel like a lot of people nowadays are like oh i'm trying to find myself i'm trying to do soul searching i'm like meditating i'm doing this i'm doing that but i i, I want to know what soul searching was for you what that journey was actually like because a lot of people will say it and they think it's just on the surface level where if i meditate and do yoga and do something yeah. calming and get drink off social tea, media for the weekend right then i'll be i'll be like <laughs> a humble person again but i don't think they realize yeah. you really have to go deep in like your insecurities to figure out oh, yeah. what to fix and who you are so what was that like for you like that journey man i love that question um first of all i think that everybody spends all their life really just constantly trying to learn from themselves figure out you know, like where they could improve. And for me, hope. I think you, you would hope. I mean, here's the thing. I, I just feel like we all have a little compass inside of us. And that compass, if you really actually take the time to listen to it, it will guide you to the right place. And like, if you really spend the time to listen, it will tell you to follow your heart, follow your passion. It's so cheesy, so cliche. I get it. But like the only way that you can make sense of life and and kind of just keep on going and make sure that just make sure that you have that fuel that is necessary to make it through all the crappy parts of life is that 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 you want to make an impact in somebody else's life. I feel like most people they just want to be able to know that their life matters, that what they're doing matters, that like they're that they're they're making their family happy, they're making their family proud, that they're contributing to society. Like I just feel like innately that's what what we all they want to be do. remembered. They want to, yeah, I mean, and you know what? Some people will actually argue because I have this whole conversation about legacy, you know, and some people, they're like, mm -hmm. no, I don't care about legacy, but I do have a legacy. I do want to, I want to have a legacy. I feel like, look at how many people die every single day and like they're forgotten. Yeah. And I'm like, I refuse, I refuse to have been given the greatest gift, which I believe is life itself, to be able to be a part of like the minority. There's a lot of people who don't even have water, food, any, they don't have, they don't have opportunity to chase their dreams. You know what I mean? Like they're just, they're literally waiting for an opportunity to have a drop of water so they can live the next day. So there are all of us over here, people like that, like you're, you're, if you are able to have one of these, have electricity, talk in front of a computer, you are amongst the 10% in the world that 90% don't get to appreciate or love, you know? So I feel like we have an obligation to kind of like fight for those 90%, make our life worthy, make it valuable, make it impactful 
so that hopefully everybody has the opportunity to have the same opportunities that all of us have right here. You know, the fact that you guys spend a part of your evening to do this, to have these conversations, put out this great vibe in the world, that means that us, we're aligned. We're aligned and we want to be able to encourage everybody else that watches to do the same thing, man. Just do yeah. the same exact thing. Like, wake up every morning happy. Like, one of the greatest things, even in my, like, I've been in the abyss. Like, when you lose over a million dollars in a couple of years, and like, trust me, I didn't have 10 million in the bank or else I wouldn't be struggling. So like, if I lost a million dollars in like a year and a half, it, it really crippled me. And like, when it crippled me, it actually affected my ability to take care of my parents during the twilight of their life. So like, I, I, I have the ultimate disappointment in myself is the fact that, man, I had everything set for them, you know? I had right. everything set to them and then I gambled it away, which is a horrible feeling to have. And yeah. now here I am trying to like make shit happen again and then COVID happens. But the point is that I still, I still love the fact that I have the opportunity to wake up every single day and like I dictate what's gonna happen today in my life. You know, nobody else will, you know? And I will grind, I will gladly grind, there's not a single day that I get up where I'm like, oh man, shucks, I hate my life. I don't go to sleep regretting everything. I'm like, hey man, life has ebbs and flows and here I am doing my best. And as long as you put out good energy in the world, I just know that everything else will fall in place. You know, and so that's kind of the mindset that I have and I want everybody else to, to just kind of like join on board. And that's Unite and Conquer, man. Like that's, that's by, by its name, by its nature, by its right. mission and its vision. That's exactly what it is, you know? Have right. you heard of um, Humans of New York? Because it's kind of like- the, Like the Instagram story? Like yeah. that has all the stories, that's beautiful stories about- Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. I know it's very different than what you're doing. I haven't heard it for a while, but yeah, keep on talking about it. Remind me, refresh my memory. Right, so at one point he started based in New York and he would just go up to random people and ask them like truly deeply like you know just different questions and to get on like a personal level like what's something someone who hasn't met you you know wouldn't know technically and uh -huh. he actually like went all around the world he went to iran at one point and like oh, yeah. i love the page it's so cute if you have no one's seen it you have to but that's kind of it. the vibe i'm getting from you know okay. you're sharing like a deeper personal level of people's struggles right yeah i mean listen i think we all have our challenges we all have our struggles you know and like the more that we all share them the more human we become if we don't share them that means that we want to act like our shit don't stink but yeah, the, the like reality the fact in a system or something like we're yeah all i mean like for i don't know why like i just cannot wait until everything is flipped upside down and we accept our our shortcomings we accept our our imperfections you know yeah, like, that's, how you have that's how you have Plus, growth yeah, big time. And like, you know, like, and, and you know what really breaks my heart the most is the fact that, okay, fine, I lost a lot of fucking money, but I, I don't have any mental health issues. Like you would think that you would have mental health issues after you lose so much money, you lose so much, everything that I've worked hard for, you know, and I've, I've worked my ass off. Like I haven't had a day off in I think seven years, you know, and I don't even mind, I don't complain it because work is not work for me. Right. Like it's just, it's just a part of my life, you know? Hmm. And Yet I know that there are people that are literally taking their life away as we speak because they feel they're not worthy, because they feel like they, they haven't contributed to life. And every single person has something they can offer to this world. You right. know? And like that's, that's the part that I'm like, man, we need to get rid of the stigma. We need to like continue having conversations about mental health. Like why are people, like if, for me, like what boggles my mind is the fact that it's so easy for us to dismiss somebody as being crazy. Yeah. There's no right. thing as somebody just being crazy. It's yeah, if you, don't, if you don't understand them, they just call them crazy, you know? Oh my God, it's so easy. And I'm so glad that there's been a shift. Like, dude, 10, 20, 30 years ago, there's been so many people 
making fun of the people that are crazy and, and people have literally that taken legit- their crazy. life Crazy, yeah. Anything they don't understand or that's mental health related, they label it as crazy. I yeah. mean, I, I don't yeah. like talking about this, but quick example, like Kanye, he has bipolar oh, yeah. disorder, right? So Big everyone time. talks about how he's crazy and he comes on, he starts crying about his daughter's abortion, but he needs yeah. help. And I yeah, think that's what help. people don't realize. Yeah. He needs yeah, I mean, we, we live in like a meme culture. So like anytime something happens that's out of the norm, everyone just makes jokes out of it. And these exactly. are the jokes that people see online yeah. about them and they do take their lives oh, because sure. they're not getting the help they, they need and deserve to piggyback off of that you did this you did the you know the episode with uh with jasmine um mm-hmm. about kind of her real story are you planning to do more episodes like that with other people in unite and conquer <sighs> so and jasmine to clarify is the co-host of your podcast right just to our listeners. yeah sure yeah we we're doing the let's get shit done podcast yeah, because together. personally yeah. i listened to so, that and 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 i was like that's me aside from you know being a female in the workplace but you know i got that part yeah you got that part i resonated uh, with one part of her story he resonated. Her really? and, and the way things went for her i was like yeah i i completely understand where she's coming from yeah so so on one hand that unite and conquer like that that what we created is called the brand story video right and that's literally if, if someone's going to ask hey unite and conquer what service do you provide? On one hand, we do podcasts. We're, we're here to educate, entertain, and all that stuff. But if someone's going to pay us to do something, we're here to tell your brand story, like the true story behind your brand, right? So again, we're helping entrepreneurs. So to answer your question, yes. Um, we want to be able to tell the Jasmine stories of the world, Jasmine and Moji, her mom, you know, like, so if you're an entrepreneur and like you're doing something because of something like easily, you could, they could just advertise Bosi. CBD hair serum. It's the texture is great. It smells wonderful. It makes your hair nice and soft. You can do that, or you can make a video like we do, you know. And like, so if you are gonna go ahead and just, you know, put everything on the line, and you're gonna be an entrepreneur and you're gonna be a small business owner, then fucking tell your story, man. Tell 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 us exactly why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, because people might have a great product, but they might not have any idea how to explain it or promote it or market yeah. it. And so, you or know, why they even started doing that or selling that product or making that product? People buy from people that they trust, people that they know, or people that they emotionally connect. People with, buy know? from people. People buy that's, from people. You know, I mean, like uh, that's that's why, why there's no other reason why Steve Jobs and Apple became what it was. You know, it's because Steve Jobs just had this able ability to connect with people in a different way. Anybody can just make a little computer or something cool or whatever, but like the way that he presented, the way he shared his story, the way, like he was a storyteller. And like, I want everybody to become a storyteller. And the storytelling starts with telling your own story authentically, vulnerably, mm-hmm. without a sense of insecurity. It's like accepting the fact that everybody's story is special. Everybody's stories has trials and tribulations. And the moment that you get rid of that ego, because it's ego that prevents you from wanting to share it, right? Because or else, like, I don't want people to know this. Why? Because you got ego. Yeah. You have to put your ego aside. You have to put your balls out, ladies. Sorry. But you know what I mean? And I'd be like, hey, how many kahasa? Like, really, like, literally, how many kahasa? I mean, like, you're not here to satisfy 8 billion people on earth. If you're an entrepreneur, yeah. all you really want, all you need, in my opinion, if you have a product or a service, you need 1,000 true fans. 
1,000 people that truly are all about you, all about your product, all about your service. If they believe in you, if they believe in your story, if they want to truly support you, that 1,000 people, they could be all around the world. I don't care what the hell you're selling. That 1,000 people will go out on the rooftops and they will tell a million people, come by. I'm having a hard time telling my closest friends to even watch one of our videos. So. <laughs> well, hey, just remember that success doesn't come overnight either. You know, so like yeah, it's, it's, it's something that takes literally months and months, years and years to accrue a following, you know? And um, I don't know what you guys are doing on your social medias uh, individually, but I highly encourage you guys to really connect. If you have 300, 500, 1,000 social media followers across your TikToks and Instagram, the more that you communicate with them, the more you tell them about what means a lot to you, I promise you, you're going to get the views that you want. You're going to get the response that you want. Trust me, I'm guilty of it too. I don't spend enough time of doing exactly what I'm saying. But I know that, that like, this is the greatest gift that has been given to us. It's social mm -hmm. media. It's the freest yeah. form for us to express our feelings, express our thoughts. And there, there is always going to be somebody out there that resonates with you, you know? And so, like, as, as the more you put, out yourself, uh, put yourself out there, the more you're going to get people that really believe in you. And those people will then tell other people. And that's how it's all organic. Anybody who gets a million followers or fans overnight, I promise you, they crash overnight as well. Yeah. You go back, you go and look at everybody's social media, people that have millions of people, and you go find out their story. They will tell you that this is 10, 20 years in the making. Mm -hmm. they, didn't, yep. they didn't start last week. If you got famous overnight. Yeah. Well, well you, look at, you look at, for example, NBA players, the, the ones who say, you know, they started playing basketball in high school. Those guys never make it. They'll make it maybe to the NBA because of their height or their whatever, you know, talent they have in college. But it's, it's the guys who make it in the NBA, for example, are the ones who've been playing since they were, since they could pick up a basketball. You know, it's, the all, the, it's all they know. It's like, you know, you know, the magic number guys, right? It's 10,000 hours. Yeah. I didn't know 10,000 hours. I saw a quote. A lot of podcasting. That's all I have to say. There you go. A lot of it's a lot of talking. I saw a quote today that said, "It takes 20 years to build up a reputation with hard work, and it takes five minutes to completely ruin it." If you think about that in your head, you would do everything differently. And that like hit me hard. And it was for like a quality training for my work, and nothing to do with that. But they were saying like in our products, and this applies to everything in life. It takes you 20 years to build up this product, your your reputation as a company, as a human being and then you do one thing wrong five minutes of it something goes wrong and then all of that is gone so you have to keep yeah. that in mind and you know especially in today's cancel culture you know? exactly yep. yeah especially in today's people, cancel people culture. are quick to go on twitter and just start canceling you and exactly and yeah. and, and yeah. people <laughs> people went on twitter recently to cancel uh robert downey jr for uh, uh what was the movie where he did blackface but he did it as a parody oh uh, tropic thunder but it was an older movie right yeah, but people who but don't watch the movie, they don't understand. Now, yeah. He was literally making fun of people doing right. blackface in movies because it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah no, so some of the cancel culture is truly getting a little bit ridiculous. But in general, somebody who spends 10, 20 years building a reputation, as long as the foundation was ethical, moral, with good mm -hmm. intentions, mm -hmm. you really have to do something magnificently fucked up yeah. to yep. have one situation mess up. The only people whose reputation is completely wiped out because of one thing is because their foundation was fragile from the get-go, yeah. you know? And so like you go, you lead with your heart, you lead with good intentions and you go with like basic principles of humanity, equality, kindness, you're, you're, you're going to be forgiven for any major mistake, especially if you come back and you apologize authentically, genuinely, 
and like sincerely you know like you right. you can tell when somebody apologizes and it's just a bullshit apology it's like from it's a like script a, they're reading it yeah a, P, a pr written kind of stuff you know yeah. like right. we at, at the end of the especially in this country it's a very forgiving country which is great because it's a land of second chances not just a land of opportunity but a land of second chances so like here people can detect if somebody is bullshitting if somebody does a sincere apology they're like dude i'm not i'm not perfect i messed up even these famous people they mess up you know so uh, as long as you focus on the core reputation stuff where you do really good stuff, um, it'll always pay off at the end, man. Good Absolutely. things happen to good people. I'm a huge believer on it. I, I have t- two quick questions on this topic, and then I know uh, Arta has some questions about like the business side of... Oh, I can't wait for Arta's question. But, uh, Arta from Muefe, I know, right? I'm going to do the quick emotional ones. Really I quick. used to have your fair fairy hair, man, and I shaved it off for sake of saving money on gel. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay, there I forgot. I'm thinking about the gel now and all the hair product shopping. But... Oh, my God. So, oh, okay. So, Arash sent us actually the video um, of Jasmine's brand, of her CBD hair brand video. And at first, I was like, okay, I'm just watching. I'm watching like an emotional story of this girl and this other woman who's probably her mom and like the hardships they went through as fellow Iranians, which always is upsetting. Not going to lie, that video made me cry. But if watching the video, I was like, okay, there, this has got to lead to something. It's not just video about a sad story and I noticed like the close-up of the hair oil when she's doing her hair in the mirror and she kept touching her hair when she was writing and stuff like that so that's her story that you turn into her brand story which makes customers resonate with that and want to buy her products but how do you create that story when you work with a customer like obviously I'm sure you're close with her so it's different but with other brands like do you tell them like hey what's your story give it to us in a google doc and we're gonna you know come up with a production or how do what is that how does I that, love that i love right? that question. i don't know anything about question. it so i'm no, asking of course not we definitely just asked them to dropbox it instead no, just oh, okay so okay. uh <laughs> no but, but here's a, <laughs> no so this is what we call brand therapy and so okay. the brand therapy is that we literally spend multiple like one to two hour sessions and we have these real conversations with people, you know, like when, when we have an entrepreneur in front of us, we, we dig deep. Like we literally go seven layers deep, you know, like mm-hmm. I ask you something, I say, why? So you answer that. I say, why you answer that, I say, why I get to the root. We get literally to the root of why you're an entrepreneur. It goes back to the whole fact is that you don't just become an entrepreneur because you think corporate nine to five sucks. And right. now I just want to be my own boss. No, if you really are an entrepreneur and like you were born to be an entrepreneur and not just because you're lazy and you want an easy way route, easy route away, you're doing it because there's something inside of you that says, this is what I'm destined to do, you know? And like a lot of people, they don't even realize that they don't even know their own story until we talk to them. And then we go and they're like, oh my God, like (laughs) I was doing a brand story with my sister who's an interior designer. It turns out it's a fact that like, her environment means the world to her. If she's not in an environment in a home that is like feng shui, if she's not in an environment where there's international people around her, if she's not near the beach, she can't even think creatively or design anything. She didn't know that. She just thought she liked interior design because she liked little fancy colors of whatever and whatever. So like we literally yeah. like had her do her own. Yeah, like I watched that and I watched that in your podcast episode of the stories and I'm like, damn, like, what's my story? Like, I don't have a story. You know, I was like, I was born here, Iranian American. That's like, what's my story? It made me think. I was like, I assure you there's more to your story. 
And I mean, I'm your sure everyone continue does. To evolve. Yeah, you're, you're still going to continue to evolve, you know? Come on, I think you need that charge per hour because it's a two-for-one win-win. You get your brand sold and you get a therapy session. Exactly. There you go. You help people solve. You take insurance. And this is what I love about it, you know? It's like, because I'm truly rooting, like I consider all entrepreneurs as like underdogs. You know, they have to be the underdog because they come in at a major disadvantage. They don't, they, they come in from day one where they say goodbye, nine to five or, or five weekly paycheck. They are officially the underdog. That means that they're under the gun. They're behind the eight ball. The pressure's on them. Their family is saying, what the fuck are you doing? How could you possibly be setting everything aside that you studied for? You did this and it's off to the races, you know? So like, it's a constant uh, race to let me make it, let me prove everybody wrong, you know? And so like, they need this conversation and I love having that conversation, why? Because I cannot wait to see that person make it, you know? And like that, yeah. I, they, they become like my, my, my- Like your little baby. My favorite child, yeah, yeah, my favorite child. I mean, that's what it is. Like, I, like from that moment, my team and I were rooting for them, you know? Because yep. that becomes a success story, you know? That, that becomes them truly finding their purpose in life. And like, I feel like if you can help somebody else find their purpose in life, man, I'm good to go in this life. So I feel rewarding. like that's it. Like I, I can say, hey, I can have that person give You're my eulogy your legacy and done deal, you know, that's it. So that's, that's question one answer. Hopefully I answered it. What's the second question? I mean, okay, the second question I was debating, but it, does, it doesn't really fit. I guess it kind of fits into here, but I was going to ask what are three things that you would tell your 18-year-old self like after everything you've been through? I guess it kind of relates to this, but I want to get the emotional <laughs> stuff out of the way <laughs> before we get <laughs> Shit, I like that question. Uh, 18-year-old self, I would say- Or 17. I was going to say, you said you started stuff at preface seven. that, we okay. did an episode of what would you tell yourself five years ago? Five years ago, yeah. Yeah, so That's in like my case, it'd be 13 years ask. ago. No, but I'll go back to 17. Okay. 17, I would, I would definitely say that, Iman, you're about to go from having no friends to having a thousand supposedly friends. Don't let that get into your head because it got into my head, whether it was like friends or whether it was attention from girls, whatever it was, like I let it all get to my head. Like I... It derailed me from uh, the path that I was going. Like, I just thought I was going the right direction. And like, and I actually, I write a lot of poetry. And ironically, I came across my book of poems from 20 years ago, from I was 17, 18, 19, 20. And like, just the things that I was like, kind of like writing, I was like, wow, my, my mindset completely shifted when I kind of became this little big deal of a DJ in the mm -hmm. Persian community. Like, it's nothing of a nothing. Like imagine if I was actually a celebrity in America, like, holy shit, what would happen? You know? So I let, I let nothing become something more than it should have, you know? So the first thing is Iman stay grounded. That's, that's part one. The second thing that I would tell myself at age 17 is, um, one day you're going to shave off your curly hair and regret it. <laughs> the, the curly hair was good years, man. I loved it. But with this goddamn heat of Miami, like I can't handle, I don't know how the you humidity. do it, man. It's so I, don't I don't know how you do it, man. <laughs> a, a, but, lot uh, a lot of spray. A lot of spray. A lot of spray. The second thing that I would say is, man, I love this question. Oh, good. You're thinking and you're frozen again. I didn't mean to scare you guys off. Please be moving uh, at all times. <laughs> shit. I would say the second thing is... Even if you, you know, have so, two, that's okay. 
Okay, yeah, thank God, because I can only think of one more That's okay, yeah. Um, You know, like, I think when you kind of get older, um, you kind of come, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer here, but like literally just two nights ago, lost a family friend of mine, 52 years old. I mean, family, like 52-year-old, heart attack. And like, I feel like there's been a lot of 10, 15 years. Thank you, man. And uh, there's just like so many people that leave us so soon, you know? And when you're 18, 17, 19, 20, in your 20s, you think you're invincible, you know, like you go out and you drink and you drive home and you do party and do this and you do, you dibble dabble and like drugs and shit. And like, you just think that you're invisible, you know? And so like, I feel like I dodged a lot of bullets in my twenties, especially being around. I mean, thank God I was one of the good guys, meaning like I didn't get into like really bad shit, but like just the fact that, you know, I did probably over a thousand events in my twenties or 18, 19, like I dodged a lot of bullets. I, I, I drank, driving home when I shouldn't have like things that I, I regret looking back because like man I put somebody else's life in jeopardy I have people in my car like there's just a lot of stupid shit that unfortunately people do so if I could go back I would be like don't take that there was no uber back then so you you kind of yeah. just kind of like winged it you know oh your mom yeah so I, yeah the last thing I would do is that but yeah oh, don't, but don't I, make my mistake and age yourself would you uh, <laughs> so I was like so, so I think I would just say kind of just be more responsible so those are two things like have be more fun but be mindful about it yeah be like basically like anything can be taken away from you in a in literally a split of a second so I genuinely consider myself extremely lucky that during those years where you know you're kind of prone to doing stupid shit that I'm able to kind of look back at it and be like wow one of these you know and there's a lot of people yeah. who have lost their siblings or their family members or a good friend because they weren't so lucky and fortunate. So I would just kind of go back and say, don't take that shit for granted. You know, like be, be safe, be considerate, be kind, boom. Great, I love that. Very well done. Heavy stuff, man, but real. Thanks, man, nice uh, question. Arash, Matt, uh, anything you want to ask before I transition into my- We're, we're gonna make a very I, awkward transition to Arthur's question. I know, we'll go from the emotional <laughs> to the straight up business. <laughs> so, Let's do it. okay, Iman. So for an aspiring entrepreneur, I, yeah. I, you know, that's something I've always wanted to do at the, at, you know, at the age of 17, 18, I had my own online shoe selling business. I would buy shoes, resell them out. And it went well for a few years until I got scammed out of it. And then it, you know, I got, um, just like my nephew, he got robbed at, at knife point, but go ahead. I almost, yeah. So it discouraged me and I got out of it. So, so just, just a few questions, you know, if you want to get into the realm of entrepreneurship and let's say you're working your nine to five job and that's something you want to now fully transition to. So initially, like how hard was it to like raise funds for the business and how much like did you have to sacrifice like financially in, in the beginning? Like, did you have to go into a hole or did you maybe like for you, you were DJing, did you save up gradually as you're going and then full and jumped in or how did that go? Yeah. So, so I, my, my, road to entrepreneurship technically happened around 16, 17, when I decided that I wanted to do this whole DJ business and I didn't want to do it alone. So I kind of brought my cousin on board. I was like, Hey, Jimon, these guys are fucking DJ. They're making 500 bucks for play, pressing play and stop and $500 for a 16 year old in 1996 was a lot. And it's still a lot of money. Like, Five hundred dollars to play. Yeah, Five hundred dollars in ninety six is a lot of money. It's still a lot, it, but it, and it's still a lot. I, I think mean, so. it's I mean, still a lot to so many people. Yeah, it, but it I really, mean, I would it, imagine it really back is. then it was it like really is. And that, yeah, exactly. And and even then, it was just like amazing. But honestly, like money was never a motivating factor for me. I just I I thought I could do a better job of that DJ at my cousin's wedding, and I loved music, and I was like, let me try it. And I wanted my cousin to be partners with me 50-50. and I was like, hey, let's go fifty fifty. He's like, no, thank you. 
And then I was like, how about this? I'll take care of all the expenses. Whatever we make, I'll take 75%. You take 25%. He couldn't say no to that. Right. Um, now, to answer your question, Arta, uh, as far as the money. So for whatever reason, at age 13, 14, I actually started working a lot. My parents had a restaurant. I was working there, so I was making tips. So I had made some money, not like a lot of money, but for me to get a couple of speakers, a little DJ equipment, and just a couple of dirty-ass lights, it was like a two, $3,000 investment. And as Persian parents, they're always very supportive. So in some shape or form, I pitched in a, few, a little bit. My parents chipped in. And within a few thousand dollars, I started a DJ business. And then I pretty much spent between 17 and 22, 23, making tens of thousands of dollars because we became these like popular DJs. So I had kind of like this advantage of making a lot of money in a short amount of time. So I kind of was able to kickstart my business. My advice to you is start small. I mean, that's like the most important thing is that you have to start small. And if you don't have the money up front, figure out a way to either create a nice business plan that has like a SWOT analysis, like your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, your threats, go in with a master plan where you actually like show that you care about what you're doing, that you know what you're doing, that you know your marketplace and then present it to any of your family, friends, your rich uncle and be like, Hey, this is my situation. Can you support me? And I promise you that if you go in with a nice presentation, that if you go in there passionately, educated, edu like, ed like truly educated in a topic, like show, it could even be shoes again. You know, only because what you did five years ago when you kind of tried small time, didn't work out, that might still be your passion. The most important thing is- You look at it from a different perspective now. Different perspective. You're mature, you, you learn from that. I mean, look, back then, just like, like I told you, my, my nephew Parsa, he got dejected from this stuff because he lost all that uh, money. He lost $400. And he got held up at knife point. He's like, fuck this. I'm done with this shit, you know? But now there's ways for you to sell it online, for you to be able to like, you really make it a legitimate business. You can make a cool brand about it, you know? So if, if, if raising funds, and I'm not talking about 100,000, if you're just trying to raise 5, 10, 15, 20,000 and you don't have it, I would say go in as professionally as possible. Professionally is a business plan. Professionally is doing your due diligence research and go in there with like a great presentation that will truly impress you're not even like uncle, but like a family friend or somebody that you know that could like chip in. And if you want to give them a little piece of the pie, then do it. But I would first start with somebody who like truly believes in you, somebody that has always like rooted for you. And hopefully they'll be able to just kind of chip in. And then hopefully when your business picks up, Arta just yes to my address. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's funny you say that because like whenever I ask money for my dad and just straight up ask, he wouldn't give it to me. But if I gave him from A to Z all the pros and cons and this and that, he'd be like, okay, that makes more sense. And then he'd give nice. it up. Yeah, so, man. Especially Persian dads, they would appreciate uh, a Persian businessman or businesswoman mentality, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's all about anything in life, man. It's all about the approach. You know, right. if you, whatever you approach in life with time, effort, sincerity, uh, and just like due diligence, you know, like I feel like you're always going to come out on top because you have an advantage over people who are trying to cut corners, who are trying to take the shortcut. There is no shortcut to success. Right. You know, that, that's really what it comes down to. You can't cut corners, right? It's hard yeah. work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so it's, going into my next question with your whole DJ and then going to EE. So how long did it take to get things running and, and how long till you saw, you know, your profit, you know, go up exponentially? Yeah. So EE, it took about two years. I still remember like when I started, like I got all the equipment. I had like my eight DJ set up. I put out all these full page ads in the freaking Persian newspaper. Big mistake. Don't waste money on Persian newspaper. This is like 
13 years ago. Um, you know, like I had all this stuff ready, like good to go. I had bought all this nice equipment, had my truck ready to go. Six months went by and there wasn't a single person that was calling me. Like I was literally just looking, looking. And I was like, man, I'm just waiting for one phone call. One you were calling email, yourself from another phone to see if it was working. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I have no doubt I was doing whatever to make <laughs> myself feel better. I can, I can honestly tell you guys that I was probably weeks, maximum months away from just being like, this was just not meant to be. I, I still remember that I was offering free DJ services because I was like, I feel like there's more value in me paying $200 to one of my DJs to go to an event, to DJ in front of 50 people because I knew that my DJ was good. Those 50 people will dance. One person will book us. Ooh, and I literally did that. Oh. I did it. And I that'll, like, pay for, that'll pay for that. Yeah. And I was like, I, was like, I get to keep my DJs busy. I get my, my DJs get more experience. And then boom, like we get to at least show people what we got, you know, because I always said that when it comes to especially entertainment, I can put a full page ad in the, in the Miami Sentinel or Washington Post, whatever it may be, spend $10,000. But it doesn't mean that a single bride would be like, oh, let's hire these people. It's, that's not how it's entertainment or entertainers, it's all word of mouth. It's word of mouth and in-person experience, experience of whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. So for me, like, um, it, it really took about six months to just get my first gig. And like mm -hmm. the first, first uh, year, I remember uh, the revenue was 6,000. My expenses were like 20, 30,000. The second year in 2010, Revenue jumped to about 20,000 and my expenses were probably like 20,000 too. 2011, it jumped to about 60,000. 2012, it hit over 100,000. So really it took about three, four years for, for me to actually become profitable. Right. And, um, and that's, that's patience. really- um, Patience and persistence. Oh my God. And, and, and for the oh, first hard. two years of it, the first two years I was working at a place called Washington Sports Club, which was a gym. I had just come back from Doha, Qatar. I'd gotten my, two master's degrees I got. And the only job that I could get right out of the recession in 2009 is working for a gym. And I remember I was wiping down freaking gym seats and shit like that, oh. like cleaning up stuff. I was, a, I was a general manager of a, of a gym and I was first an assistant general manager, but then it moved to general, general manager to, to a smaller club. But while I was starting exclusively entertainment, I was doing a $17 per hour job because that's what I had to do. I was like, I cannot just keep on twiddling my thumb, waiting. The bills and don't stop, my friend. The bills don't stop, you know? So I was like, I had to do it. And, um, but these are the sacrifices that entrepreneurs make. Like, I'm not the only person. This is not an anomaly. This is how it is. Like, unless you're blessed to have parents that will kind of just invest in anything you're doing, this is the grind that you have to kind of put in. And then finally, about a year and a half into Washington Sports Club, I was doing so much EE work behind the scenes that they saw my work deteriorate. They're like, dude, get the fuck out of here, man. You're paying more attention to whatever side gig you're doing. Oh, uh, wow. they, I was pretty much relieved of my duties. I, I don't yeah. think they called a fire, but- it was You were resigned. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Slowly but surely. They, they wanted to let you pursue your dreams. It was, they were doing <laughs> it you- It was a, a blessing favor. in disguise. <laughs> yeah, right. oh, for sure. Should have been like, okay, if you fully like see that in me, do you want to invest? Like clearly- <laughs> So now you've done your, like you say, thousands of events. You've done your fair share of weddings. I'm sure you got some interesting pieces there of interesting stories, I should say. Oh, uh, Lord. Uh, uh, uh. So I'll tell you one unfortunate thing. Um, there was one wedding. I don't know why this one comes to mind. There's so many stories, but I'll tell you this one quickly. So I, first of all, like what upsets me the most is bride and grooms who care more about the most materialistic parts of a wedding 
instead of caring what is truly the real reason of a union. And that is like, dude, you just fucking found your soulmate in life. Like who the fuck cares about the venue? Who the fuck cares about alcohol? Who cares about the guests, this and this and that. And like the spending so much money on flowers. Like if you're not aligned with that other human being that you have decided to like commit yourself to in front of your loved ones, then forget about everything else. Focus on the relationship and nothing else matters. And I remember like this one wedding, it was at the Ritz Carlton. They spent a shitload of money on this and this and that. They got all the bells and whistles from us. It wasn't Reza and Hannah's wedding, by the way. I was going to say like a shiny word right now. I've done so many weddings at those Ritz Carlton, but this is a different one. And it was actually a smaller wedding. It was maybe like a hundred people. And I forgot what the reason was, but there was probably like 20 people missing that had never told the bride and groom. And so, yes, there was definitely empty spots. And like this bride and the groom, before they're about to walk in, usually when I was hosting back, it was like eight years ago, I used to be outside. I kind of got them all excited. I told them what's going to happen. Hey guys, I'm going to go inside right now. I'm going to welcome you guys. Be happy, blah, blah, blah. And they were right where like the guest table, like the placeholders were of all the guests. They were so consumed with the fact that there was like 20 people that had not redeemed it. And they were so upset that people, which I understand, like it's rude. You cannot like yeah. say you're going to a wedding and then don't show up. I mean, it literally costs money. Yeah, it, it does. Especially risk on 200 bucks. So I get it, you know, Oh my gosh. but, but literally this couple let that ruin their entire wedding night. Instead of focusing no, no. on the 80 people that were actually there, they were so That's focused exactly. on the 20 people that were not, that no matter how many times I try to check in on them, they, 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 they literally ruined their own wedding day. And like, for me, like the moral of the story is the fact that, man, you, you, you can always focus on the negative things in life, the negative things of what's happening, or you can appreciate exactly what the hell you have and what's going good for you, you know? And so for me, one, one situation that kind of just comes to mind, but um, there's been a lot of Bridezilla stories too, man, but I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure the wedding the planners get the but... brunt of it. You, you, you get maybe a, a filtered version. Oh man. I mean like there, there are so many, any, and here's my advice to any, not just bride, but there's groomzillas too, but sometimes it's, most of the time it's bridezilla it's because it's such a, it's such a, it's such a more important day for brides, obviously. And that is that like, you need to just seize the moment. You need to truly like, just make the best out of what's going on. And like a lot of like bride and grooms, I call it good stress. You know, they get so stressed. I'm like, oh, this is good stress. There are people that are planning funerals. You're planning a fucking wedding, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. this is celebratory. Like, stop inviting people that you think that your parents want you to invite. Do you. Make mm -hmm. yourself happy, especially now that oh, I'm, like, man. 40. That's that's like, the part right there. It's the one I'm you like, to invite. I'm like already oh concerned God. about that part. Like, this person has to come. That person has to come. Oh God. My my greatest advice for anyone in their 20s getting married is like, first of all, don't rush into it. Select a partner that will, above anything else, will respect you as a human being. Will respect your family. If there is no respect, if there is no love, nothing else matters. It doesn't There's matter nothing. if they're rich. It doesn't yeah. matter if they're good looking. It doesn't matter if whatever the hell it is. Like if you what don't have you respect, know. if you have no love and like, you know, like now, now that I see like dating back 20 years, I've been in 23 years, I've been in this industry and I've literally known over a thousand couples and how they got married. I've seen their divorces. I've seen, um, I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly. You and, know? Hold and on. Like, any second marriage uh, marriages you've done? You know what? I've actually hosted one wedding twice. One bride. I did her wedding. Like, so it's so weird. <laughs> To introduce oh, so did you open up saying welcome back everyone? Ooh. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sequel. I felt I felt so awkward to like literally it was so deja vu because it was like six years apart. 
and here oh, I am. Six years, that's nothing. Damn, that's oh, yeah. really quick. It's, I was like, I was like, and like, she was like, she was one of the like cool Persian chicks. She was like, I don't care, Iman. The, the best part of the last wedding was you. So I'm going to have you again. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm there. Thank you. I appreciate it. The only bad part, it was at the My Trump rates Hotel have in D.C. It was what? <laughs> it was at the Trump Hotel in D.C. And, oh, I'm, man, like, no and I was like, come on, do I have to go to the Trump Hotel and shit? But yeah. yeah no good. No so, good. I know we're in Florida, so I don't know how you all feel, but I'm. No, not, we're, I'm we're, we're aligned. We're aligned. <laughs> Yeah, Stop so there, there's, there's a lot of great stories, but... So, Iman, you gave us so much great content, but now we have to get into the more serious part of the conversation. Oh, Taz, Alam, we're getting into yeah, serious. Now yeah, now it's the serious That was bossy, after you've had a good glass of wine, and you know you're... Yeah, can I interject for a second? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll, let's, let's get back to the, the boring questions. I have two more boring questions. I'm sorry, everyone. I know I can ask you this personally, but for whoever maybe is listening, you know, could could they're not boring. Go for advice it. Okay. So one more thing. So like for me, like I'll use myself as context. Like I want to get into app development. I want to I have a lot of good, like in my head, I think they're good app ideas, right? So that involves coding. I don't know coding. So my question to you is like if you aren't familiar with something, do you take the time to learn it yourself or do you just budget your finances to hire someone to help you in that aspect? Like now you can use it in like maybe your business. So it's a great question. I feel like um, on a macro level, you always want to be able to have at least some type of information or some type of like astuteness into that thing that you want to invest money. Because at the end of it, it's your money. Nobody's deal is going to be other than you because it's your money, it's your time, it's your investment. So yeah. um, I think when you, when you become big enough as a business, and I'm not even there yet, so I'm not going to act like I am. When you become big enough, you can pay people who are specialists in a certain thing that they can go ahead and do their research and like make this executive decision. Oh yeah, this is something good to invest in. But because I haven't gotten to that point, I mean, at most I've had 75 employees and the level of our business has always been something that I kind of want to oversee. Um, but I, I've always been a big fan of, or in favor of like knowing what you want to invest in, you know, and like you shouldn't trust anybody because nobody would care about your business the way that you do. So even if you do get big uh, and you do have the right people, you still want to kind of have like a little pulse on the, on the beat of what it is that you're doing. So especially in the app industry, I don't know much about it, Mm -hmm. but I would say, first of all, before you even get down that road, first, before you expand and diversify your portfolio, stick to what you're great at, stick to what you know and stick to what you love. And then worry about all the ancillary services. One of the biggest mistakes that I made at Exclusively Entertainment. So what's the name? Exclusively fucking entertainment, right? So that's what we started in 2009 with DJs. It was all kosher, DJs. Then I was like, let me add some lighting. Got a little too fancy. Let me add photo booth. Got a little too fancy. Let me add photography. Let me add videography. Let me add event planning. I tried to become this like, you know, one-stop shop. No high-end bride or groom really wants a one-stop shop. They want a specialist. They want a sniper. They want somebody who knows how to do one thing. They, want exclusively they know how to do it great. They want exclusively entertainment. Yeah. You know, and so like one of the greatest things that happened with COVID, after I was humbled and crushed down with everything that was happening with the public events, I was like, COVID was great for me. I, it allowed me the opportunity to revamp EE. And next week, we're going to be launching a brand new exclusively entertainment we- uh, website. And guess what? It's wedding centric. It's focusing on the two services that we fucking kick ass in, DJ and lighting. That's it. Back to the core, back to the basics. So now we're going to crush it. Why? Because we know how to do it. It's like, it's, it's rinse and repeat for us. 
There's no challenges. I don't have to worry about the photo booth technician, the fancy lighting that we don't even do anymore, yeah, or like an event coordinator. Too many away. things, you know, too many things. So Arthur, man, my man, like you, you know how to make an app. Whatever your specialty is in that app right now, start with that. Go with this, the app for the type of service or product that you love. Give it your everything. Do that proof of concept. Do it. Fine tune it. Make it the best ice sculpture. Fucking chisel, 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 chisel. Be like, this is my masterpiece. Once you create a masterpiece, then bring the right people to go ahead and like add all these additional services. Like that is one of the things that was a part of EE's downfall is the fact that I tried to do too much too fast. I got too excited. I was like, let me go ahead and do this and this. Let me dominate this. I got upset that photographers weren't referring services to me. So I was like, fuck that shit. I'll do photo. It's such a Persian mentality to have. I can do this better than anybody else. No. Instead, I took this step back and I started Night Owls. Night Owls, all we do is photo and video. So slowly but surely, Night Owls is going to grow photo and video, you know, but EE, back to the core. Gotcha. That, that's, that's good information for any entrepreneur. The, and, the main thing is to have a pulse on it. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll finish it off with this, uh, Iman. You, you mentioned that you had two masters and I did a little researching in uh, business-oriented masters they were. So starting into it, do you think that those master degrees helped you get to where you are in the career with the knowledge that you gained from it? Or, and like, would you encourage someone to that's pursuing entrepreneurship to go get those uh, you know, degrees in business? Yeah, man, I love that question, man. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much. So the, at this point in my life, my opinion would have mattered. It would have been different 20 years ago. At this point in my life, the only type of college or grad school that I would advocate or recommend or encourage anybody is if you want to become a lawyer or a doctor or some kind of specialty that requires uh, a graduate degree or even a college degree. Like the world has changed. The world is in your oyster through social media, through the internet, you're able to change the world literally from teenage years. And if you have that passion that, um, and some people have it at a very young age, and you have a, the great core support group around you, you're able to do whatever you want to do without having to go to college. You can't become a great surgeon without going to med school. You can't become a great trial lawyer without going to law school. That's yeah. that. For me, the MBA and the masters in, 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 in international management they were more like a confidence booster for me, especially when I was growing up. And for like 10 years, the name DJ was like attached to me. I had to kind of, especially as a Persian, the Persian community, I had to kind of like use that as a way to kind of like, hey, Adama, you know, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm making all my friends. And I encourage everybody to listen to uh, the podcast because you get into um, why you did the two masters. Uh, um, well, a little bit. Well, so that one was like, it's, it's an American mentality where they throw in, hey, you can get a second master's with only two additional semesters. So like I was trick. like, God damn it. I, ju like I just trap. did. Exactly. I did two years and I can get a second master's in two semesters. Of course I can do it, you know? Um, and so, and so I, I kind of did it uh, with a combination of, first of all, here's an interesting thought. So before I got my dual master's, I was in a doctorate of physical therapy program. I was 14 right. months away from getting my PT degree. And I did it because of parents' expectations of what a doctor show, you know? So I couldn't imagine I to, a physical therapist, bro. Dog, I, I can't either. I couldn't either, I, yeah, I, I, I just can't. Um, <laughs> did, I mean, like, did, uh, I, it was like, how could, I, how could I imagine, how could I explain this? Um, it would have been the most miserable life that I could ever imagine for anybody because 
I genuinely have no interest in being in khaki pants, a polo shirt, and telling somebody to extend their knee at 45 degree and putting ice packs on it. God bless um, anybody who actually has the ability to do that. And if, if you're a great physical therapist, amazing stuff. Like a physical therapist healed my sister's broken neck, you know? So I respect it, but like I, it's not meant for everybody. Like everybody's not meant for, you. for something, you know? Exactly. And so, um, and, um, and so for me, like I always knew that I was, I had this entrepreneurial spirit. I knew that I had this business mindset. I mean, at 16 years old, I was thinking about business, you know? So for me, um, that's kind of like how it all played out, man. I don't know how else to explain or elaborate. No, that, 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 that's and, a great... And, and, and if anybody wants to hear more about that, I encourage everybody to go listen to the Unite and Conquer podcast. Or, or maybe even take a business class or two just to, just to get your mind in that, in yeah. that mindset, you know, oriented, more focused, I mean, you know. And, and the one thing that I will add is the fact that it was great to kind of be around business-minded people. Um, but, but really like at the end of the day, the best experience that I got was street smarts. Like mm-hmm. you, you learn the hardest way through that, no matter what the books say, no matter what, like, uh, it's the grad school program did all experience, it's all experience, you know? So like, I think but, even, but at the, even, you know, even when you do the book smart stuff, like yeah. I experienced this, I was telling Arash about it cause I just started my first job and you know, I had all this book smart stuff. I was like, Oh, books, books, books. But then you get into right. it and you realize that half the job is talking to people, how to interact with you never use the Pythagorean theorem. You never use the calculus theorem. You mean a parallelogram is not going to yeah. be useful? Yeah. Exactly. It's like how you speak to people and interact with them and the experience you gain as you go yeah. on in the job, which is so hard. I feel like they don't talk about that a lot here. They really make you focus on the theory it's, and the curriculum. Without. The school of hard knocks is real life, yeah. you know, and that's, that's what it is. I mean, like the greatest experience that I had was through not just the, the great parts of business, but also the failures. Like really it's the failures where I learned the most, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the part that really makes who you are, especially as, as a, like if, if I've ever met a businessman that has never failed, I promise you, I would never want to follow their footsteps. Yeah. There's no, there's, I, I can't sketchy. do it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, how could you ever think that they really have it all figured out if all they had was this peachy road? There's no, there's no such thing as a walk in the park. As you mean an they didn't get a small one million dollar loan from their dad? I was just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking yeah. that earlier in the pod, and I'm like, I'm just not gonna get there. So, yeah. So, so now, no, now yeah. we, now we get to the hard. We get fun, so I'm done. Thank you, Iman. Appreciate it. Thank all you, right, Arta. Man, I appreciate it. <laughs> Great now, questions. Now we, now we get to the hard hitting questions. All right. And, and, Please and, tell me if, if it's between former Sabzi or Khorish or something like that. You know, it, it, it might be. I, you, you never know. Okay. It might be. But, but we're going to talk. We're going to wrap it with a bow with one final question at the very end. Okay. But, oh, my God. Uh, Matzo, what do you got for him? <laughs> All right. I want to switch things up. You know, you know, it's nice to be serious, but we want to know like, a little bit more about you, I guess. We want to know about Iman. Not yeah. this, by, the way, you, by the way, Matzo, you, you, have, you have like the best uh bed what is it called the bed bed which way it's like frame. so like my bed thank you yeah i mean it's so, it's so persian princessy well thank i like you. I mean, it's great it, it, it fancy, fits her fancy. trust me yeah <laughs> all right ready what's up okay cabernet or merlot because i realized you like red wine yeah so look at right here so it's, it's cabernet sauvignon okay so it's okay. it, it is I'm, I'm it is for sure. All right, all right, all right. On the same page and and you know what? This one actually is what my sister got me. It's called Bubo, and it's a it's an owl because everything that's owls or night owls related, my sister gets for me. Oh. And so yeah. That's so the name of your, of your new company. There you go. Night owls. Yeah. 
I heard from a little birdie you're into hip hop. So, Dre or Biggie? Man, I have to go with Biggie, Biggie, Biggie. Can't you see? Sometimes you <laughs> would just hypnotize me. And I just love your okay. flashy ways. So, this is why I want, and you're so paid. We're going to get hit with a copyright infringement now. <laughs> got 10 seconds before they get us with a copyright. That's so funny, man. Yo, man, Juicy, Juicy by Biggie is the greatest rap song of all it time, is. man. I mean, like, you, if that song goes on and people above 30 years old aren't on the dance floor, they can get the fuck off it. And I don't yeah. want them on. Weed them out. Even if they're not on the dance floor, as long as they're like singing along to Locking it. Locking along with it. Word, it's oh, that man. one. I feel like when you're in a club, it's that song. It's in the club. And it's yes. the, you know, the Fresh Prince song. Yes. Everybody wow. should they just play the know Fresh those Prince song nowadays? That's yeah. Great. It like kind of made a comeback recently. Okay. Yeah. Don't call it a comeback. I've been there for years. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I mean, but I mean, for the nightmare. newer generation, it's, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, no, I mean, like, honestly, like, Tupac and Biggie, man, greatest, greatest hip-hop artists, lyricists, yeah. MCs. I mean, if, if, if you hate on Biggie and Tupac, you just haven't listened to them. You haven't truly listen to their greatest don't understand them. They're next level. They're next level stuff. And, and it's not just like an old school guy, like grandpa on the patio saying, oh, you're dirty rascals. Like literally, like lyrically, they were incredible. Yeah. You know, level, like yeah. what, a, what a blessing they were to the musical. All right. This one's, you know, in my opinion, an obvious, but Miami or DC? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. So you know what I've realized with this whole transition from DC, Miami, now officially Miami, is that home is truly where the heart is, you know? Like that, like I never, I never realized that until my parents came down here six months ago and I realized, oh my God, I'm the last man standing. Like all this time I thought I was this Washingtonian guy. I, I love DC, which I really do. Like it's multicultural, it's melting pot. It's a very educated city. It's a very conservative city, not in a way like politically, but there are humble people. Like there are millionaires driving around with Toyota cameras. Like you don't need to have the flashiness yeah. of Miami, New York or DC. Like you can literally have the most. No, Miami is the opposite. They're they're people who should be driving Camrys. Who are driving, driving but, they're, but they're pushing Lambos, yeah. and Ferraris, and exactly. And so and and DC, I always love the Four Seasons. So for me, like I I love change, you know. And like I don't as much as I love going to the beach, which is ten feet away from me, and it's nice and all. I like I love winter. Subtle, I like. love snow. Subtle, yeah, I snow. love yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm in a 300 square foot studio, so don't, don't get too excited. And so, um, so I, but I love, I love change. I love, I love weather changing. Like it just kind of keeps you on your toes, you know? So I love DC yeah, no, for many yeah. reasons. My friends are there. Like my heart is there. 30 years of great friendship network. That's, that's your roots. That's my roots. But I also think that life is so incredibly short to be living in one city all your life. And for Literally sure. three days yeah. ago was the first time that I could say after 30 years, DC is not my home. Like the first 10 years, it was Germany. For 30 years, no matter where I was traveling and working in the world, I always would say DC is my home. Last week, I rented out my house in DC and I came over here and I was like, damn, I'm a Miami boy now. So I'm embracing it. I'm loving it. And with great people Welcome. like you Welcome. in South Florida, I'm blessed to be uh, amongst uh, other great people over here. So Welcome to the epicenter. I love it. Martha. Epicenter of COVID. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Arthur. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. Mask on, baby. Mask on. <laughs> Mata, hit him. All right. Soccer or football? Oof. Well, f every four years, soccer. I can't even say I love football. I'm going to have to say soccer. And okay. um, every World Cup, I always pray that USA, Germany, and Iran is in the World Cup. 
Uh, but not one in that time, order. Yeah, not and one time. Order. You have the three always disappoint. <laughs> well, no, in 98, I think they were all in the same group, no? 98, they were, they were in the same group. And then Azizi scored that goal. It was amazing. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and even this past summer, like, we hosted this outdoor concert series for the World Cup. We had a few thousand people show up to watch the Iran games versus Portugal, Iran game versus oh, Morocco. And, it. like, I mean, we have this amazing video, which fucking YouTube took down because of copyright issues, but like, Were you singing you again? Outside. I was, was I singing it? <laughs> Is that what you said? Were you singing again? You know, it's, no, they were showing the game on. in the background. That's why they probably cut them. Yeah, no, I, we took clips from like the TV stuff. Yeah, like no, the yeah. part where like they're like scoring the goals. But like, I still have it on Google Drive. I sent it to you guys. It's an awesome highlight yeah, that great. we made. Let, but it was little, cool, man. It was great. Little quick fact. Um, I, I, I follow, you know, soccer, football, whatever, uh, religiously. And, um, as we know, Ali Dai is the leading scorer in international goals. Iranian. And actually, Cristiano Ronaldo is actually a few goals short of breaking his record. So that's going to be detrimental to wow. our history. Oh, man. Culture. So that's one well, thing wants to be number two. Proudly, but. It's amazing, Ali Dai. It's because the Asia League is a little bit weaker. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, you know, because there was one game, I think we, we, hit, we made like 26 We beat the there. USA once. Don't forget. <laughs> amazing. We actually, I actually hosted a fundraiser and Ali Dayu was there and like his sister is in DC. And so that's why we kind of got, I got involved. So I got to meet him like five, that's six years great. ago. It was pretty cool. And such a humble, humble dude, you know, like it's mm -hmm. a, I don't know, man. It's just like for some reason, it's so weird. Like when you look at the Iranian national team, it seems like they're all your brothers or your cousin. Like yeah. I don't look at them as athletes. The I look at them. Yeah. I look at them like the, the one when they did. That's um, my cousin over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When when they I think it was even a tie or something. Maybe it was a win. I forgot. But this past World Cup, and like they played Arashes, Iran, Iran inside the World uh -huh. Cup. You know, like it was like it was yeah. amazing. Like you just time. have this connection and camaraderie with yeah. them, and like you know like with, with everything that's going on in iran like you're you're happy to see your people happy you know for sure definitely and i hope those days okay and now to the more they're rapid fire it's all good okay let's go i love it normal or bread taddy man avalan uh wait is oh, that's the only option you're not gonna put potato up on this shit it's gonna like, be you're really gonna choose potato i mean potato uh, is the actually most, actually uh, yeah of course it's like the michael jordan but i'll take lebron james of nuna lavosh under it you know because and you don't want anything basic we're persian we can't have anything basic it has to be something it has to be or the tallow on top sprinkle some tallow <laughs> <laughs> edible gold and the... I, I wouldn't mind if it's not gonna be potato i'll take lavosh taddy for sure yeah Especially okay, with, with spaghetti. Oh, well, that's potato, dude. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, you can do the ketchup. Oh, you do the lavosh with the spaghetti, Arash? You could. You could. Yeah, look at Arash going against the grain, dude. Fesinjun or Masabdi? That's not even a question. That's a question. Y'all are some Fesinjun haters up in here. Every oh, I, I can guess I'm not being a Fesinjuni, dude. Sh no, I'm not but like only, sour fish Only the shomali way, yeah, sour. Yeah. Not the sour I mean, uh, Arta and Arash, please tell me that you guys are formosabzi all day, every day. No, I'm, I'm formosabzi. It doesn't even I, look appetizing. It's so Your face good. Is you appetizing. Face you face haven't had it the right way. <laughs> don't get face me out. Don't get me. <laughs> Your face is not appetizing. <laughs> but no, good, good fesenjuna is good. I'm not even going to front. But Arta, come on. You're shomali side. You're not going to do Well, we, we, we eat like fish and or deck so like we're yeah all the different it's vibes. different yeah sweet or sour 
Can we do I'm Chinese not talking about girls. I'm talking about food. <laughs> can we can we do Chinese food where it's sweet and sour together? Okay, yeah. I actually do. I, I do like the combination. There's a little mm -hmm. bit of zest that comes when you put. Yep. I like the yin to the yang. Mm -hmm. Got you. Salty. Yeah, you know, it's so funny for for my for my awesome people. I do rapid fire. I've never been the recipient end of uh, of. Yeah. It's a lot of How does it feel? It's a lot of pressure, dude. I'm sweating. You can't see my bald <laughs> ass over here. All right, what what's the next question? Last one: salty or spicy? Dude, I'm a little bitch when it comes to too spicy. So I'm gonna have. I, I mean, I'm not even a big fan of salty, but I have to defer to salty over spicy because I don't have the Indian blood in me. So okay, okay. I, I got another one for you: Sangak yeah. or Barbadi? Oof. <sighs> wow. And you then with what? that bread. Okay. And does it depend you know on, on the toasted or not? No, I was going to say, yeah. There's so many combinations that went through my head. I'm going to have to say toasted sangyak, but nuna paneer, but here's that a sad zia for that shit. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's, that's a man of culture. But it's got to be a little warm. You know, you got the warmness of the bread, yeah. the coldness of the paneer, and then the mint for the zest. I like the zest, I just realized. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go with food. Spasani sonati or falude? So I'm going to have to go with falude because oh. there's nothing like falude in this world. I mean, like, really? everybody has basani and, and all that stuff. But who has Everybody falude? has a, a certain type of ice cream. That's true. Well, they have a mixture of the two. Basani and sonati. They do. And I made it last night. I made homemade. I like, I like basani sonati if it's in between the waffles and the Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, that, yeah that's, that's the, Persian, the Persian Klondike bar, you know? Yeah. So, Esfahan yeah. makes the best. Kubide uh, or bag? So solely for the sake of kubide smelling like poop, I'm gonna have to go with the bag. And if it's bag that is great, chibagibisha, you know? So right. I'm gonna go with yeah. yeah. Okay. Arash, hit you know, by, by the way, can I give a shout out to, I'd like to give a shout out to um, uh, Shaz of Kebab yeah. up in this place. Yeah, he, so good. I, I tell you this much, man. My mom is so finical when it comes to freaking food. For 30, I'm sorry, 40 years of my life, I've had to hear from her. Hichi mitse naive Iran nemisha. Hichi, right? Like, so good. literally, everybody, anybody, like, and and DC man, we got some good cowboy players. There's Albors, there's freaking Shamshidi. Well, you guys have a there. very established Persian community there. Exactly, but but trust the me, to my mother's to mother's taste, but my mother's taste buds, nothing competes, you know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like a couple months ago, my nephew Parsa was like, "Hey, Dai, I found this place, Shaza Kabbalah. Let's get it. Let's try it." And then we order food for everybody. And my mom was like, Yo, <laughs> ever since this is not yet. We have found I was like, Are you kidding me? We've lived all around the world. And in Miami, Miami we find of all the best places. of all the places. So um, she has found her finally the one place that makes good food there that she finds. And I mean, they're great people. Yeah. Like, we need to continue to support those kind of people, man. They're doing yeah. some great stuff. The guy is Mehdi, I know that, or Mahdi, because my middle name is Mahdi. So I want to give a shout out to Shazza Kebab in Miami. Hopefully they give us a free Iman, Iman, Borobeshun Begu, you give me a trick, barg a day, I give you a brand story for Unite and Conquer. Go do a little irony. I genuinely was thinking about that, you know? Because they deserve, they, they deserve it. They deserve it. When you go, give me a call. I'll, I'll join you over there. Put yeah. a little slideshow. No, yeah. Hey, guys. So, so very macho. I don't know. I don't know. Is everybody like how, who's the furthest place from South Beach? Me. Uh, maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm the closest to you. I'm who's the furthest? How far drive? I mean, we're all within an hour. It's, hour. It's, oh, really what a So, right next to me, like we have this thing we call the Bakshe, you know, and like I would love to invite you guys over. We'll have Shah's a kebab. 
and we're going to have a little chit-chat and hang out, and we're going to have a great time. So we're going to coordinate that later. I'll bring, the bring your masks. masks I will have go. my mask in tow and hand sanitizer. Let's I'm, go. I'm Let's the go. germ police here. So, so, Let's do it. I'll ask you one more question before I get into the news challenge, and I ask this, ask this of every single guest. Hope and right. I need somebody to agree with me on this, okay? Yeah. Maybe it's you, Iman. And you see they're all cringing because they know the question. Go ahead. Is a hot dog a sandwich? He's going to spit out his wine. He's going to spit it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's going to chug that. He's like, I don't. Is a hot dog a sandwich? That's a trick question. This is why I asked the Did rapid fire. I can't. I, you know, just for the sake of it's never been called a sandwich in my book, I'm going to say no. Bah. Thank mm. you. Take well, that, Gypsy. It's bread with <laughs> meat in the middle of the bread. I mean, I can, I can, I can see. I can agree with you. Oh, oh is, this, is this the Jamali question? Is this yes. This? Every oh, okay. week. Has, I mean. <laughs> starts it with the hello guys. and Arash ends it with this. <laughs> but Arash, in your defense, I know where you're coming from, man. I, I see. Thank you. I see. Nobody I, at least I, sees I, my I like thought the, process. I like the outside the box thinking and for you to. Well, my question is, what's the affinity with hot dog? And why are you fighting for for a hot dog being a sandwich? I don't well, care. I, it's just classify the these things because I feel like a hot dog is is like where do you put that on the menu? Like under the sandwiches, you have your turkey, you have your hamburgers, you have all these things. But where do you put a hot dog? So let me let me let me tell you one thing that will perhaps help clarify things in the future. A sandwich usually consists of a lettuce and cheese and like some kind of meat, you know. And a hot dog doesn't have lettuce. So it might have like the relish, but it's not lettuce. So therefore, so you never had a Chicago book. dog. Oh, they have lettuce in that shit. They have tomatoes at least. I don't know about the lettuce. Okay, well, hey, in Chicago, you should be getting deep dish pizza anyway. So get yeah. off yeah, hot dogs and nuts. Hot okay? dog. Some Giordano's. <laughs> I get Either where you're coming Giordano's. from. Giordano's, that's my man right there. Fuck yeah, yeah. you can't go to Chicago. I got, I got two Illuminati pies in my freezer right now. Ooh, they're so good. There's Iman, good. I'll send you the link. Chicago is um, my favorite city in America, by the way. It's a great city. I love Chicago. It's great, one of the most city. underrated cities in America yeah, as far sure. as looks, feel, personality. It's a cleaner version of New York. So much great memory of Chicago, man. Underrated as shit. So, so Iman, oh, we, nice. we talked and, and we want you to tell us, what is our noose challenge for this week? It's um, an act of kindness, guys. I think that you guys are incredibly kind human beings. And this world is already so much better for you guys doing what you do. And I want to continue encouraging you to do something great and just pay it forward and do an act of kindness, uh, surprise somebody, surprise a group of people and encourage everybody else to do the same. Like Arta, Arta, I like, I like pizza. If you want to do an act of kindness, cheese, <laughs> cheese pizza is okay. <laughs> you know Listen, where I live. Armagon was um, craving this one specific taco and I offered to go buy her it and drive it to her house and she was he's like, right. no, diet, He's my right, it. he's right, he's right. And I actually offered, I was at one of Armagon's favorite Mexican restaurants and I offered to, re to bring some food, I'll give it to Arta and Arta can relay it to her house because he's like the midway point. Wow. But, uh, and I promised I don't kind. know if I would be able to take it because I might just eat it myself. Yeah, but see, you can't trust that part. No, but they're right, they're right. But maybe you need to get active kindness book on in that part. Starts next week, I think about it. Okay, and, and okay. If you do an act of kindness, you don't necessarily have to record it and put no. it on social media. Mm -hmm. um, but we can talk about it. We can, you know, say what we did, maybe not to whom or to what, but or speak on how of, you felt after you how felt, I, or, how yeah, speak felt, about yeah. how you felt. Um, last week's challenge was a little, uh, 
interesting difficult uh, out there. It, it, my last week's challenge was Cheyenne Ibrahim gave, gave it to us. It was m call two people that you have beef with. Three. And, and I couldn't think of one. And, so, and you sort know, it out with them. I failed that one. First of all, what a talented dude Shion is, man. Yeah, like, right? Oh, props to him. I mean, that 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 stuff, the quarantine stuff. I mean, Bita is a very good friend of mine. I did an awesome thing with my good friend Bita, actually, Milania. Milania. She was yeah. one of, yeah, she was one of my guests. She was she was like one of the main producers of working with Shion to do the Persian quarantine thing. And um, yeah, man, that's a great stuff. Like I was really impressed. Like, I love it when Persians step up the plate, you know? Yeah. Like do something that is like truly unique truly i hate shit that's like repetitive and yeah. like i feel like unfortunately persians they love to fucking like take shit and just regurgitate it and whatever and like i hate it when it's being like accepted in our community you know mm -hmm. like like people who just want to um are we talking about I'm I'm sunset here i'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to hit on. No, it's like there's like certain memes or certain jokes that are just so repetitive and certain accents that you make fun of, whatever. Like, dude, like be different, be, be, be right. creative, be Six fresh, times. man. You know, and like stop using and the Cheyenne, stereotypes to yeah, you know. Cheyenne and Vita and Tara and all those people who made that kind of stuff. That was quality stuff, man. Mm -hmm. You know, like I from the moment that I saw it, I knew it was going to go viral because because the cream always rises to the top. Right. So, and especially and in terms of entertainment, like you don't see that much representation in the Iranian. So for Cheyenne to make a movie about his life coming to America and, and all the genuine. I'm excited for that, that one. It's like, you know, we, we can't wait. You know, we, we love that's to great. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm actually not privy to that, but it's good to know that he's doing some cool shit. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. so we had some little insider. So thank you so much, Iman, for coming on. We thank appreciate you. you carving out some time for us and talking about your trials and tribulations, all the things you're working on. And correct me if I'm wrong on here, you can follow Iman at, at Iman Hushman on Instagram, at Exclusively Entertainment, and of course, his latest and greatest project, uh, at It Let's Unite and Conquer. Uh, definitely follow those pages on Instagram, follow them on YouTube. I listened to you know, the three episodes of the Unite and Conquer. I haven't gotten to the interviewing of the interesting, it wasn't interesting people. Awesome it was people. Awesome, awesome people. people, yeah. I haven't gotten to that part of it yet, but I'm going to get into that this week and listen to all those things but definitely 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 if you want to get your brain juices flowing just listen to those three episodes and and you have a different perspective on everything after you listen to them Thank and you definitely so if you're if you're a young or starting up entrepreneur check out on our comments we'll obviously spell out all all the names of his companies and everything and hit hit him up for a cabal brand video if you're owner of a cabal place or whatever you're doing he'll no, make that brand I mean, video for i mean uh, I, I really want you guys or anybody out there, especially Persians, they're awesome people. I had some of my good friends were my guests, Andy, the pop star, uh, Bita Milanian. I had, um, man, I had so many great freaking episodes. There's like with uh, DJ Bliss from Canada. There was Farzi Loco, the comedian. I had, um, man, I feel like there's so many people like during quarantine, I was like- I think you had I mean, Nima as well, no? You had Nima, Nima I think you had, I had Nima. Nima, that's right, you had Nima. We I had him on a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nima, um, did you have Amir K? Somebody with long. I had Amir K. Yeah, Amir K. Was hilarious. I had Maz Jabrani. I mean, like Tehran. I had so many of my friends who were doing so many great things, and they were giving such great positive energy during a really difficult time, you know. And so, like, even though it was happening during March, April, May, they were all like some of my favorite entertainers, some of my hardest working people out in the business, and like, hopefully, it, it like kind of brings some type of positive mojo to all of all of you guys who are
fans of those same people. So especially for the Persians, um, those were really special episodes for me. And I want to continue doing Awesome People episodes with people who are doing great things for the community. And I can't wait to do an Awesome People episode with all of you guys. I've never had it with a group of people, yeah. but, I, I, but I genuinely consider you guys as awesome people. Thank because you. of what you're doing. You, I, I hope that, I hope that, um, the only thing that I want to kind of end off with is like, don't stop what the fuck you're doing, man. Like, I think you guys, what you guys do is so great. I feel like it requires uh, constant motivation. It requires constant pushing. Like, there's going to be times where you guys are kind of doubting what you guys are doing, but you guys are onto something incredibly special, not just in the Persian community, but like as a community and just humanitarian kind of way because right. uh, the things that you guys want to talk about is touching on life is touching on work is touching on family and these are the conversations that first of all it's endless topics you know yeah. so like you have to you have to keep on pushing through this kind of shit there's nobody that's better than you guys it's just a matter of all those people that you guys are kind of looking up to they just kind of put in the hard work and a lot of effort yep. they didn't give up so don't give up like this is truly something special i'm telling you you guys have something great keep on investing in it keep on asking people to invest in it improve the sound improve the light I'll make sure to make sure the quality is better for you guys in the future. Um, maybe, I, maybe I can help you guys in the future. Like, this is kind of like side talk, but mm -hmm. like in Hayford, you know, like right. I, I, I respect the friendship you guys have. I appreciate the camaraderie you guys have. And I like how you guys all came with some great questions. You guys did your research. It's good shit, man. Don't give up on this stuff. You know, this is Thank like you so much, Iman. the kind Thank of stuff you. that Thank has you. a lot of, uh, it has a lot of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Migire is a, is a Farsi word. I, can, I can't think yeah. of English, but migire, migire. Right. You got, you got to say for Catch on. You know. Yeah, catch on. Thank catch you. On. Well, thank you thank so you much, Iman. And, and to all our listeners, don't forget this week, please, whatever you can, do some kind of act of kindness. It doesn't have to mean you, you could spend money. It just means it could be as simple as picking up the Kind. phone who's down and just talking them up, helping them through a situation. It could be something that, that doesn't cost you anything but time. Opening the door for someone. Not a lot of people do that anymore. Oh, yeah. So just listen, or wear just your listen. masks and protect other people if you are infected with corona is the biggest yeah. act of kindness you could do right now. Thank you all. That's all I want to say. That's the person who hasn't left her room in six months. I've left my room. Okay. She had, little, she had a little photo shoot the other day. I did have a little photo shoot. But we'll, <laughs> all right, Iman, thank you so much for being on. Really thank you so much, you. Iman. You, we learned Iman. a lot. Thank yeah. you. I really appreciate you guys considering me as part of your show. Wish you guys all the best. Be safe. And we'll have our Shaza Kebab hangout in the Bakshir very soon. Yes. <laughs> thank you. I'm so happy to be in Florida with you all. Awesome people, man. Let's go. All right, we're happy thank to have you. To hang out. Thank you. And I'll now you can put on your resume that you're on the Monday News Podcast. There you go. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> all righty. Love you guys. All right. Good night. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. Bye.